This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it is Friday, and we got some NBA to talk about, so we brought in our expert, Kevin O'Connor, KOC. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too, Tate. Thanks for having me on. I'm very fired up because there's a lot of conversations happening about these NC- the in-season tournament that's happening right now, and the courts especially have been in conversation point. We don't have to get into that, but let's talk about the basketball. Just general thoughts. Like, is it working, KOC? That's what everyone keeps asking me. Is it working? Are people tuning in? It seems like it, right? I, I'm, I'm just a novice. I'm just watching watching from the outside looking in, but you're in it. So what's happening? What are people saying? I do think it's working. Uh, Like Damian Lillard after the game the other night, he's talking about how they want to get that $500,000 for the guys who are on the two-way contracts, league minimum contracts. Do they split up the $500,000 or do they each get $500,000? Each player gets $500,000. Okay, that makes a lot. Like when I heard LeBron talking about the $500,000, I was like, Wait a second. Well, like, LeBron's what? investing that in his future <laughs> NBA team fund right. when he's owning the Las Vegas yeah. Gamblers. I was like, does whatever. he really need the $500,000? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, anybody would take half a million dollars. But I do think, you know, the play is elevated. I mean, mm. Teams are, are, it seems like, putting out their best playing guy. It's not like guys are resting on those Tuesday nights unless it's a legitimate injury. Uh, I think overall, it does seem like this is working so far. That's impressive. We'll see how like the intensity of the games elevates when we're actually at the knockout stage, which will be in the first week of December. I mean, we have one week left with kind of this group stage here, but that's when I think things are really going to get interesting when it's single elimination. There's high stakes. Will we see guys go into playing 40 minutes per game? Will it be like Mm. a Titan seven-man, eight-man rotation at that point? Or the coach is going to stick to the typical 9, 10, 11-man rotations. Like, we're still seeing. So it's elevated, but I think the intensity could even go up even further at the knockout stage. What about some of the teams that are already mathematically out of the in-season tournament? Do we have, like, any sort of reactions to that? The Clippers is the one that comes to mind. Obviously, they haven't won a game with James Harden, like, are they just completely just <laughs> tapped out of this whole thing at this point? Well, I mean, I think for them, they're still, you know, important regular season games. Like, that. that's why it does matter. Like, these aren't just tournament games. Mm-hmm. It does matter for the Clippers that they end, like, a long losing streak and get back on track. It's like... Will they win a game? Will, will they actually win a game? <laughs> that's actually a question. <laughs> I mean, or it's like the Phoenix Suns. They're 0-1 in the in-season tournament. They talked up, you know, prior to it about how they want to win the thing. Kevin Durant talking about the Purple Court and all that that they're right. playing on. They faced the Jazz on Friday night, who were two. 2-0 in mm. the in-season tournament. If the Jazz get a win on Friday night, they'll be 3-0 with one game left, potentially like having their ticket to the knockout stage, whereas the Suns need to get a win. They got KD back. They got Devin Booker back. Hopefully, they get Bradley Beal back. So maybe with all three of those guys, they can go on a little streak and 
win that thing and get themselves into the into that first annual in-season tournament. So I'm excited about it, personally. I, I'm, like, tuning in, like, locked in every Tuesday and Friday night. I'm having a good time, personally. One last thing on the tournament. What's your favorite court right now? Like, of all the – I mean, there's obviously a lot of color on the courts. It feels like whoever decided this loves Boise State football. But um, <laughs> yeah. what, what court kind of stands out to you? Maybe not in, like – you know, like, ah, oh, it's ugly, but like, oh, I actually really like it. It looks good. I like the Spurs court. It's mm. kind of like this green vibe. Yeah. It looks good against their jerseys. It just it just looks nice. It's pretty. It's right. like almost foresty green type of thing. Like you're in nature, but you're not. You're in an arena watching Victor Wembanyama and basketball players. Right. Our boss, Bill Simmons, told me the Celtics had the best court. Um, it is a good court. Right. I so like that I, Celtics court. I thought that, I had to say that just to make sure that he that was happy green, about that. Maybe it's a green thing. That green yeah. just pops. Well, the look, through court. the ringer, it's good. Yeah, 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 I see what they're doing here it's a little <laughs> little, little uh, symmetry right there uh, let's talk about the Sixers and the Celtics because it's turning into a little rivalry there in the Eastern Conference not that it hasn't been a rivalry but it just feels like these two teams this year uh, you see Celtics fans talking about Nick Nurse complaining to the officials that's how you know a rivalry is brewing at this point what are your thoughts uh, on the Celtics being able to get a win over the Sixers while they had guys out guys like Jalen Brown I mean I think for Philadelphia it was their third game in four nights second game of a back-to-back after a tough in-season tournament loss against the Pacers fastest paced team in the league on Tuesday so that that context matters from the Philly side. With mm-hmm. that said, Philly had all of their guys. Boston was missing multiple starters, and yet they still go in there on the road and get a win. Mm-hmm. I felt like for the Sixers side, you can have a little bit of excuses with the guys who missed time. But on the Boston side, it was more a testament to what was the big preseason debate. Is their depth any good? <laughs> Do they have enough guys behind their top six? Well, clearly... When you can put Luke Cornett out there to replace Chris Depp's Porzingis and still play five out, you're not getting KP's production, but you're still getting that spacing and length inside. You can still throw out guys like Peyton Pritchard who can get some guard minutes for you. And multiple, 23 minutes in this game. Definitely. Right. like all Across the board, they have so many different options off their bench that you know the, uh, guys like who are already in the rotation as well can just step up and do a bigger role. Sam Hauser. Sam Hauser did. Right. Like, like Derek White had a massive fourth quarter running pick and roll for Boston. 27 points for Derek White. Al Horford, who's been coming off the bench, slides into the starting role, and, and he who has always been been a great Joel Embiid defender. Yeah, I want to talk about that oh quickly. God, like, what great. is that, you know, that kind of back and forth? Because uh, I don't know what it is. It feels like a mental game at this mm-hmm. point where he kind of just has Embiid and, and just kind of like in, in the gridlock. I mean, he just looks lost. I think there, there might be a mental aspect to it, but like also just purely the physical aspect. He's pushing Embiid off of his spots. It felt like Embiid wasn't able to get into a rhythm, get to the spots on the floor where he likes to make his move and get into his jumper or draw a second defender. It just never felt like... Horford allowed Joel Embiid to be the massive interior threat that he typically is. And Horford's just such a smart defender uh, mm-hmm. and such a tough defender that I think that's what And he has insider tough. information from being there, Bingo. right? That's exactly. the other part. I mean, he was in practice with 100%. Embiid, and I think that's the other part that kind of goes, the gamesmanship of mm-hmm. it all plays into it. And do that's we, the mental aspect you're talking about. Right, and that's that old school Al Horford's like, yeah, this is what we do. This is the, this is the reason I'm a vet. Um, do we think that they are the class? Do we think this is the, the precursor to the Eastern Conference Finals between these two teams? I mean, with Philly, it's tough to say because I still, the, the Bucks are... You know, you still have Giannis Antetokounmpo, one of the best players in the world, right alongside Embiid and Jokic and all these other guys. Luka, he's right up there still. And you have Damian Lillard, who hasn't even had a great start to the season. You've had guys. He who looked good time. when Giannis was not playing, yeah. uh, which is encouraging to see that he can tap into that primary option when he needs to, right? So I still think the Bucks, are, you know, they have their upside is so significant. They have Middleton on a minutes restriction right now, still. 
I, I still would put the Bucks slightly ahead of the Sixers. Um, but Boston, to me, is in a class of their own. Like Denver, Denver's number one. They're mm-hmm. the defending champions, and they're still rolling. They're still steamrolling teams right now. But Boston's right there because of the plethora of options that they have on their team. I like their depth. I think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for. And they have also depth of quality talent. Like, if you can have Derek White step up in games where stars are out, if you can have guys like Drew Holiday handle the ball more, you have a top six that's arguably better than any top six in the entire NBA, aside from maybe Denver. Mm -hmm. So to me, Boston and Denver in each conference are in a class of their own, and then it's about everybody else after that. Yeah, you did a bold thing. You put out a player rankings list, and uh, anyone out there that if you know you want to do this, you just know that you're playing a dangerous game because everybody's right. <laughs> um, everybody wants to correct you, but you you did your top 50 NBA player rankings. You have Jokic at it on his own tier by himself as the number one guy. Right below him, you have Curry and Embiid, so that's your top three. Uh, first, let's just talk about like entering into that conversation. What are, what are the parameters that you should try to use here uh, when you're putting together a list? And like, how hard is it to uh, sort of just piece this together and put a, put a list out? It's incredibly difficult because like so much of it is context based. Mm. I mean, is this guy's get a new role, a new opportunity? Is it a slow start to the season, a fast start to the season? How much do you weigh, you know, the recency aspect and all of it? And I think with lists like this, it's better to lean on. Uh, recency factoring in the trajectory a player was on. So like Mm -hmm. Retiree's Maxi, for example, I had him ranked 14th in this. Maybe that ends up being too high and I'll bump him down next time I do this. But I think considering the track that he was on in recent years, it's fair to say that with this new opportunity with James Harden now gone, a brand new system under Nick Nurse, that Maxi is on the same track and this improvement is to be believed. Tyrese Halliburton last season, I had him top 15 in the Mm -hmm. league. So bumping him up to 12, it's possible I'm not leaning on what's happened recently enough with somebody like that and keeping him too close to where I had him before um, anchored him there. So I think with a lot of these guys, like Julius Randle being out of the top 50, he's an all-NBA guy last year, maybe like the 40th best player in the league still. Um, But how much of that is due to his slow start? A lot to do with it. Uh, So these lists are tough and they're always changing. And I think more than anything else, like the exercise of just like putting together a list of the 50 best players is oh my God, there are a lot of good players who aren't in the top 50. Like the league (laughs) is loaded more than I can ever remember in my lifetime personally. And you had sent me the list before you put it out and you were just saying, you know, kind of like, where do you, how do you feel about this? And I think you and I over text had this conversation, but LeBron is so hard to handicap because LeBron in one level could be number one given a situation, right? He might be the number one guy you want. Uh, But then other situations, right? You're like, he might not even be top 50. So trying to figure out where to place him, was that one of the hardest ones? Or Yeah, yeah, right. So it came shifted him down a lot i mean (laughs) i had him at five at one point i think he ended up at number eight Mm -hmm. on there and even number eight might be too high And he's right in front of kevin durant so now you know now now durant's upset you know what i mean (laughs) he's like i'm not number two to this guy he's got ptsd a lot of stuff going on it's always been a thing right Right. it's always (laughs) one and two uh, so i think with kd or guys like halliburton anthony edwards some of these guys you could argue if they've been better than lebron this season i i just i still think with lebron james he's still a sensational player um and anytime the lakers do poorly it often doesn't seem to be his fault it's like 80 scoring nine points yeah when lebron who's almost 40 years old is still scoring 30 plus points playing 30 plus minutes a game still carrying the offense still rebounding still doing what he can on defense despite you know the decline athletically I still think LeBron's one of the 10 best players in basketball, but like there's a lot of guys closing the gap. Like, how, is SGA actually better than LeBron today? And I have him behind him. Yeah. He might be. 
Right. It really might be. SGA special. Halliburton special. The new formatting for LeBron is despite the loss, comma, LeBron yeah. did insert this, right? He had his whatever mm-hmm. triple-double number mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So, like, that's kind of the the conversation. Another guy that was on your list, Wimbenyama, he's another hard guy to handicap. Too but, high on him? Well, I mean, I'm you have the projection of what he could be, which is all time, right? But then it's also, there's a lot of growing pains that are going to come. So it's like, where do you place him knowing that he's going to have to deal with nights where he's off and things like that? So that's the hard part of these lists, right? Yeah, it's the type of thing where like one Benyama, you can watch him individually and say he's a transformative defender. He mm-hmm. forces forces opponents to like not go near the rim. He's blocking three-point shots. And yet the Spurs are horrible on defense. So it's the type of thing with like one Benyama, he has these great offensive nights and then these low efficiency nights. I just lean towards with that ranking for him. He's so transformative defensively, individually, yeah. that I'm not going to use the deficiencies of the players around him against him. But maybe he's a little too high. Maybe Chet is actually better today. And I had Chet like 10 spots behind him. Like that, That's the thing. Like These lists are so tough. Mm-hmm. Because with Chet, He's in the perfect situation, <laughs> right? Right, like he's number got, two guy, right? He's, he's got, got, a, star got, got a superstar, him, right? right? So, yeah. I, like, I think that's that's all a big part of it here is situation and opportunity and fit, and how do you factor that against you know individual production and performance? And you talked about uh, there's so many good players in the league. There are some omissions on the top fifty list uh, that I have to ask about. Lamelo Ball is he someone that you considered in that conversation? Because <laughs> if I, I mean, did it today, he'd be in it. Okay, <laughs> he okay. fixed the season. He looks back now. He looks back, but like mm-hmm. you know, there, there's conversations about where is. Lamelo, does he actually affect the bottom line? What's his ceiling? Is his ceiling uh, the third best player on a championship team? That might be the mm-hmm. case, um, or is he just a franchise guy mm-hmm. on a on a franchise that's in the play in every single year? Who knows? We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the Timberwolves, we're gonna talk about the Pacers, and we're gonna talk about the new look Rockets. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with KOC, and we're going to play a fun game that they've been playing on PTI for quite some time. It's called Buy or Sell. Um, and uh, I want to talk about the Timberwolves because a lot of people are excited about this team. Uh, right now, if you look at the odds, the T-Wolves are plus 700 to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. Obviously, they've had some moments with the Warriors uh, the past couple of games. Um, are we buying stock right now, the Timberwolves, to be the number one seed at plus 700? I'll sell and wait for potentially better odds. Mm. Uh, the standings are so close at this point. I still think Denver is going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference. I still think they're going to win the West. Those odds are good. But maybe if they drop a couple more games like they did on Wednesday night, those odds get even better and juicier. 
to put a little bit on there. But for now, I'd, I'd hold off and see how the standings develop over the next week or two because I don't think they're going to move up yet. Yeah, what do you think about Anthony Edwards and Draymond? We, we had that whole little back and forth. Uh, he looks at Draymond and said, ain't nobody thinking about <laughs> you, bro. Um, and I do think Anthony Edwards, starting with the movie that he made with Adam Sandler and gang, I feel like he has slowly, the brand has started to build up. He drops his signature sneakers, the AE1. He has a commercial that kind of beckons back to Michael Jordan. Um, it, it feels like all things are rolling the right way for Anthony Edwards right now. Do we think this is the year where we say, this guy is, he is a primo number one option that we need to talk about in the NBA? I do think that it's real with Edwards. And that, and that's the reason for optimism when it comes to the T-Wolves potentially winning the West uh, and or being the one seed. Because with Ant, there's a play that he had that this week in that same game where he attacked the basket with patience and pace and he made a beautiful kickout pass to Mike Conley for a three that mm-hmm. iced the game. And it showed a, an advanced uh, feel for the game from Ant that wasn't previously there at that same level in the past. And that's the mark of a superstar player. And with him, he's grinding so at such a high level on defense next to J.D. McDaniels, who's the best perimeter defender in basketball right now. They have the best interior defender in Rudy Gobert. And Rudy's Ant, back. And Ant is buying in. Cat's buying in. So with the Wolves, it seems to be a collective five where they're all buying into the mission together. And, and Ant is definitely the leading voice in all of that. I, I'm, I'm a believer in him. And he goes and plays USA Basketball. He kind of basically showcases to the world that he is the best player on that team, that iteration mm-hmm. of the team. And he might be the most important American player that we have right now um, as we look forward and look ahead because a lot of our superstars are at a position where you know they're on the way out. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry. You need someone like Zion Williamson or Anthony Edwards or De'Aaron Fox to kind of take that mantle on. And it does look like um, Anthony Edwards is that guy. So shout out to the Timberwolves. I know that they had some drama uh, with the Warriors, but I, I think it was all good things. And it did feel like, and last thing on this, it feels like America was almost pulling for the Wolves against the Warriors. And, and the Warriors <laughs> used to be the darlings of America. It's like you live long enough to see yourself become the villains, KOC. Finally, everybody's on the same side of Rudy Gobert with me. Right. Everyone's <laughs> pulling for Rudy Gobert. What a world that we live in. My goodness. Um, let's talk about a team that everyone is actually uh, pulling for, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Pacers, to make the playoffs, is minus 168 right now. You talked about their pace as a team. Checks out because they are the Pacers. They are setting the pace right now. Uh, with Tyrese Halliburton. What are your thoughts on Indiana and Rick Carlisle's team? I mean, I'm buying, buying, buying with the Pacers. Their defense isn't good. It's bottom five in the NBA right now. That will hold them back come postseason time. But that that doesn't matter at Mm -hmm. this point when it comes to making the postseason. Their offense is that special. And it's all because of Halliburton. And they surrounded him with, like, good quality talent that fits a lot of high IQ players, selfless players that, that can help conform to his style. Behind Jokic, he's... Get the best mind in all of basketball. And it's such amazing feel and selflessness to create for others. But he has shown continuously throughout his career, especially since he got traded to the Pacers, that ability to tap into being a go-to scoring option, step back three, getting to the basket. Like, did you see that crazy floater that mm-hmm. he had the other night? It was like a hook shot, a running hook shot, high off the glass that he had in Tuesday night's in-season tournament game. Guys right? got touch. Unbelievable. Like right. Halliburton has just, he checks every box for a face of your franchise. And and for really for the Pacers this season, it's about how do we get our defense to be, you know, not bad, but average. How do you take that step? Because that's what can make you a formidable playoff opponent when your offense is already absolutely deadly. Yeah, like Bruce Brown there. 
I like Obi Toppin there. Perfect. I think that they've both been nice additions to this team. It does feel like Indiana is kind of in the middle of we're going from what was to what is, right? I mean, you got Buddy mm-hmm. Hilde, you know what I mean? Miles Turner. Some of these guys, it feels like they might not be a part of the new iteration of this Absolutely. team. So that's the other part. We'll see if the Pacers make some moves, but I like them to make the playoffs. I think that's a good one. Another team that is inspiring some hope, that is the Houston Rockets. Um, we got right here the odds. Rockets staying out of the lottery and making the playoffs. You can get that at plus 180. Do we think Ime Udoka can get Houston over the hump and in the playoffs? Let's buy that. Mm. I, I think with Udoka, the, the way they've made additions alongside him as the coach, he's the most important difference maker there with the scheme he's installed. But He also looks like a genius right now because he said, mm-hmm. James Harden, you will not come here. Exactly. You will not play here. And instead, they get Fred Van Vliet alongside Dylan Brooks. Brooks, who looked like an overpay, has completely bought in. And he's shooting six times per game. Verno had a great stat on the mismatch earlier this week where he's like, Dylan Brooks had four games over the last two seasons where he shot six or under times per game. He's already done that three times this season with the Rockets. We're barely a month in. Brooks is bought in. He's bringing his defensive mentality. Fred Van Vliet's helping stabilize that offense. And Shen Goon, of all the young great. guys, like he's the guy taking the leap this year. And Jokic I, they, gave him like the, uh, it, it was kind of yeah. like when Kobe played against Curry. He was like, man, you really got yeah, something yeah. going there. It was a nice little moment. And the fact that For Jokic sure. went out of his way to say like, hey, you got some tools there. I thought that was a nice moment. And, and Shengun like openly models his game after Jokic. Right. Right. So I think with him, he, he's made those improvements. He's got that little one-footed step back jumper right now. The Rockets have had enough young guys get better and they added the right veterans and the right head coach. They have I mean, accountability in exactly. the room. And I think you that's really the difference. Right. Yeah, and and the Boston Celtics, I mean, I know how that whole situation played out, but when you see what Eme's been able to do down in Houston, you're saying, I wish we had a coach like that, you know, not to not to knock our guy there right now, Joe Missoula, but KOC, where can we find all your amazing work? On the Mismatch Podcast, on the Ringer.com, writing almost every week. And uh, yeah, anywhere else in the Ringer Podcast Network. Go follow Kevin O'Connor on Twitter. He's one of the best. Appreciate you coming on the show, KOC. Coming up, we got Nora, and she's talking to NFL, as she always does on Friday. We'll see you in a sec. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer, and it is Friday, so you know what that means. We've got Nora back on the show. Nora, great to see you. Hi, Tate. I, uh, you know what this means. Uh, it's Friday. I have to keep rehashing the reality of where we live, which is we have to talk about the Ringer Power Rankings. And the good news is that the NFL schedule makers, they are finally keeping up with the Power Rankings. And on Monday Night Football, they said, we need a Ringer Power Ranking showdown. We're going to have the Philadelphia Eagles, the number one team, taking on the number two team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's start there. How fired up are we for this Monday Night Football matchup? Yeah, I love that you're framing this not as a Super Bowl rematch, but as no. a showdown for the top spot in the Ringer Power Rankings. I would expect nothing. That's what less. I was told, Nora. That's what they told me at HQ here. It's all about the Ringer Power Rankings, not about the Super Bowl. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm super excited for this game. Really interested to see kind of what style 
it ends up playing out in because the Eagles, you know, that ball control thing that they've really, really mastered this year, I think it's going to be a more interesting test for this iteration of the Chiefs than even for that Super Bowl team, just because we have seen them be a little bit slower. I mean, right now, right? Mm. Like the Eagles are are number one in the power rankings. The Chiefs, by the logic of the ringer power rankings, would be the underdog here. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I, I'm really fascinated to see this. Not Super Bowl rematch, power rankings showdown. It's the ringer power rankings showdown. That's what everyone's calling it. Um, a lot of people are pointing out also that the Kelsey brothers are going to have their matchup. Um, do we get the Kelsey mother, like how, you know, house divided Jersey where she has one half Jason, one half Travis, like is it, where's Taylor Swift going to be? Is she going to be at this game? Like what, what are our thoughts on like the Kelsey angle on this matchup? Well, so the, the thing that I'm really interested in is apparently, allegedly, reportedly, mm. According yeah. to the tabloids, the parents <laughs> Swift and the parents Kelsey are attending this game together. And wow. I don't know if you know this, Tate, but over the weekend in Argentina, when Travis Kelsey was at Taylor Swift's concert, Scott Swift, her father, was there wearing an wearing a Chiefs lanyard for his like VIP pass or whatever. Scott Swift is a Philadelphia, is a Pennsylvania native. He's a former college football player. He is a Pennsylvania native. He is an Eagles fan. So uh, that was pretty telling to me that Scott Swift's allegiance could be won so quickly. And I, I wonder if I wonder if Jason Kelsey might have something to say about that. Uh, I am very curious to see who Scott seems to be rooting for in the game because he's the one to me who. I want to understand just how fickle this man is with his his sports allegiance and just how seriously he feels about Travis, I think, is is the other piece of that. And also, there is a Swift on the field for the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, DeAndre Swift. So maybe he goes to Taylor and says, you picked the wrong football player. You could have had this guy. You wouldn't have to change your last name. Like It could have all been so easy. But instead, she goes to the Kansas City side. And I think that's a great angle because everybody has their sports fandom that is hard to crack. But then when you have a son-in-law type situation going on, you know, sometimes you have to make um, some adjustments and, and recalibrate things. So there, there's going to be a lot of conversation um, outside of the football game. The football game itself should be good. One last thing on this game. Are we, are we hoping that this will be kind of the reemergence of the Chiefs offense? Obviously, that's what we've been, you know, prone to think about with this team. But this year, the storyline has been the defense. Do you think that Mahomes and Kelsey get it right and get back on track? You know, I think it's easier said than done, right? Because I am just not totally sure where that extra oomph in the passing game would come from for them. But I do think that we're going to see them try just because that Philadelphia front, that defensive line is is really their strength more so than the secondary. Uh, they're 20th in, in passing defense as opposed to ninth against the run. So I think the strength of what is a very good defense is definitely in being stout up front rather than stopping the pass. So I do think the Chiefs are going to try. Uh, big game for, for Killatrav. He hasn't mm-hmm. had super explosive outputs in their last couple of contests. And I think they're going to need him because they're going to need some element of explosion uh, just because I don't think they can, you know, if the chiefs play that slower 
fewer possessions, you know, score 20 something and, and just try to do enough. I think that plays into the Eagles hand because Philadelphia is, is, you know, they are the Kings of those eight minute drives that just suck away the clock. And then all of a sudden the game's over. So yeah, I think they need a big game in the passing department. I think they need a big game from Kelsey. I think they need to play their style instead of letting the Eagles dictate. Yeah, and again, that's the undisputed biggest game of the week. Chiefs minus two and a half, two and a half points in that game. So we obviously will be watching and locked in on that game as it plays out. Watch out for that Eagles run offense, top five in the league. The Chiefs defense, run defense, not so great, 29th in the league. So that'll be a matchup to keep an eye on. Let's talk about some other games in week 11. Uh, Raiders go into Miami. Miami is minus 12 and a half points in this game. The Raiders have found some new juice with Coach Antonio Pierce. They're smoking cigars in the locker. They're smoking some other things in the locker room. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on with the Raiders, and it seems like positive mojo. Does it keep rolling in Miami? And it feels like Vegas, uh, the odds makers, feel like it will not. But how do you feel about this game, Nora? Yeah, I I don't think so. Um, I'm happy for the Raiders. (laughs) It seems like they're having a good time. I don't really think that that team can compete seriously with, Miami on either side of the ball. Um, but I'm I'm happy that they're having a good time. Yeah, it's great to see them have a good time. And do you think that um, if you're a Raiders fan, just because of the good vibes, it was such a, you know, a very cold and frigid uh, organization under, under McDaniels at some level. And obviously coming on the back heels of what happened with John Gruden, do you think it's just nice to have like a little moment in the sun for the fan base, right? I mean, even if they go to Miami and they do lose by double digits, like maybe Coach Pierce, do you think he's he's still in the conversation to be the head coach at the end of the year? You know, I don't think, I, somehow I doubt it just because it doesn't seem like a particularly Mark Davis thing to do. I just don't think he quite has, you know, they go for names there and it hasn't worked out the last two go rounds, but I'm just not sure that he's going to break that, that precedent. That said, seems like the guys in the locker room really like him. Um, seems like, you know, they could have some good results down the stretch here. I don't think Miami is the the game when it's going to happen. I just don't think that they're the same caliber of team as the Dolphins, but things got so dire with the Raiders just because of how awful things were under McDaniels. And you could just see that permeate how everybody felt so much of the on-field decision-making so much of the quarterback situation. I think we almost forget that, you know, that's an okay team. Like there are pieces on that roster. They're not, you know, they shouldn't be this complete bottom of the barrel squad because they've got, I mean, obviously they've got Devontae Adams. They've got Max Crosby. They've got a superstar on each side of the ball. Right. And then they've got some good complimentary pieces. I mean, I, I still think that even though this hasn't been a good year for him and I don't think that he fit into McD- uh, McDaniels, scheme whatsoever, Hunter Renfro is a useful player. Like they have some useful players on this team. So I wouldn't be surprised if over the last few weeks of the season, they do look energized. They do look look a little bit friskier. I, j- I just don't think that this is the week for it. I think it's too much. 
Yeah, it's too much for them to overcome, probably. But I think Crosby's in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, so that's obviously something that um, you can market a bit if you're Mark Davis, and uh, you know maybe they go out and try to take a big swing on a head coach. But there's a lot more questions than answers right now with uh, with the Vegas Raiders, but they are fun. I mean, at least they're having fun. And at some level, uh, that's what we want in the NFL, even though some say it's a no-fun league. Last one, uh, talking about matchups with the most on the line, the Buffalo Bills at 500 right now. There's a lot of finger-pointing. People are trying to figure out what what this team looks like. They've gone from Super Bowl contender by most people's uh, you know, vantage points to a team where we're talking about will they even make the playoffs. They play at the Jets this week. The Jets are going to Buffalo. Buffalo minus seven. Do you think Josh Allen and the Bills get back on the rails and, and get a big win against a divisional rival? Yes, I do. Um, I think that Zach Wilson might be sort of just what the doctor ordered here. Uh, <laughs> the, the questions about them making the playoffs, though, are real. Because I believe after that Jets game, I forget exactly what the order is, but they they have a tough stretch coming up here after that Jets game. And with the way that the AFC they have playoff Chiefs picture, by Eagles, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, they have Chiefs our top two teams Eagles, in the ring of power. Right. Pretty intense there. I think they have the Cowboys maybe in there somewhere. It is yep. a rough Charges. finish to the season for the Bills. So I, I think they can get back on track and get a win this week. But I think they definitely need to, and they're gonna have to find a way to to improve their execution and and how things have been going on Sundays over that tough stretch because they can't they can't lose all those games, right? Mm-hmm. Because if they do, they are going to miss the postseason. That is what the math is is shaping up to be right now. So. This one's the easy one, although this has been a, a Bills team that we can't exactly trust to get all the gimmies, but I think they'll be able to do it. The bigger question is just how they perform during that really tough stretch. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns. We're going to talk about the Jets having a players-only meeting and if the Bills fired the wrong coach. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with Nora, and we're still talking NFL football. And let's keep it in Buffalo because a big decision was made by Sean McDermott. He fired a defensive coordinator not too long ago, and then this season, as things kind of got a little off the rails, they point the finger at Ken Dorsey, offensive coordinator, and say, um, pack your bags. We'll see you later. So uh, Buffalo has made some adjustments. They've made some major changes on the offensive side of the football. Do we think this actually helps this team, Nora? Do, you, do we think that they get better by getting Ken Dorsey out of the building? No. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> right. really. I don't. I, he did not put 12 men on the field, as far as I know. I don't know if he was telling the, <laughs> the defense to send guys right, out there, but uh, it like seems strange. Exactly. He didn't. I guess this one's maybe a little bit easier to argue, but uh, he is also not the person who is making Josh Allen throw interceptions. Right. I think 
it was a desperation move, which is what makes me really nervous. Because when you look at this team, I really don't think that it's it's particularly complicated what has gone on. They do turn the ball over way too much on offense. Josh Allen throws too many interceptions. He leads the lead in picks. He's left. He's led the lead in picks like three years in a row. So to some extent, that's just who he is. And they've had good offenses while that's happened. But he is turning the ball over too much offensively. And then they're 21st in DVOA on the defensive side of the ball where they've been hit with tons and tons of key injuries. It's just mm-hmm. like, it is not a mystery why this team has struggled. It is not the offense. They are third in offensive DVOA. They are first in success rate. They are third in EPA per play. They are fourth in QBR. They are, in, they are third in yards per play. They are second and third down conversion percentage. They are third in red zone efficiency. Basically, every single offensive stat that you can can find this is a top five unit that has a turnover problem. But even that I think is overstated because part of, of why Josh Allen throws a lot of interceptions is just his style as a quarterback. And to some extent Mm -hmm. you have to live with that. I think you want to live with it a little bit less than is happening now, but the offense, I swear to you, this offense is fine. The defense is, is in a rough spot. I think to some degree you lose a core guy like Matt Milano. Like that's, that's just a tough break. I don't know what you're going to do about that. I do think they're probably too old defensively and and need to rethink from a roster building perspective, how they get depth there. But what has contributed to these losses is neither hard to figure out nor I would argue like that big a deal or something that you wouldn't expect to turn around with just some natural regression or also just something that, you know, sometimes you get some, some unlucky breaks. So the thing that concerns me about the Ken Dorsey firing is one, just, I think you, you let a good offensive coordinator go. And two, it makes me think that everybody there is freaking out. What do you know? Like, what do you think of when you think of Ken Dorsey? You think of that moment of him up in the yeah, in the slamming box, the notebook, like right? Yeah, slamming everything onto the desk. There are a lot of hot heads there, and they've also been through a lot. They've been through these seasons where there have been crazy expectations, and it's kind of like, oh, you're gonna either win the Super Bowl, beat the Chiefs, do all of this stuff, or it's a failure. They somehow found themselves in this conversation about like the window closing, even though they have a franchise quarterback in his twenties who, who just signed a big contract and like they have time. And, and so I think, I think they just need to chill. And the thing that worries me about the Dorsey firing beyond just the fact that I do think that he was doing a good job is that it's not exactly a chill thing to do. It's part of the playbook of I'm a head coach and I'm worried about my job security and I don't quite know what to do. So I'm going to fire a coordinator and Sean McDermott has now done that twice. Yeah. And McDermott's saying, if it's not, you know, you pointing at the coordinator, then it's me. So I might as well get ahead of this and make that decision to kind of save myself. And that's the way that it looks from the outside looking in. You probably can't blame your franchise quarterback, but you would like him to cut back on the turnovers. But like you said, that's his style of play. He is a gunslinger by nature. I mean, that is who Josh Allen is. So we understand that. There's also the other wrinkle. You mentioned Stefan Diggs. You have his brother 
who is hurt right now, tweeting uh, after the game, basically, that, you know, he's not the problem and that, you know, there's a whole lot of people trying to figure out who the problem is. And it goes back to that high anxiety, right? I mean, as a franchise right now, it just feels like there is an anxious feeling about this team where, you know, the the deck of cards is all going to fall down and everything's going to be done with and, and it's all over. But that's not really the situation that we're in. This isn't Aaron Rodgers, you know, where he has two or three years left, if that, you know what I mean? Josh, Josh Allen has a, a longer runway um, but it does feel like we're talking about that window a whole lot more. I mentioned Rodgers because I want to talk about Rodgers. He is talking about his comeback. He says that he's ahead of schedule. Um, he's trying to get himself in position to be able to play this season. We all laughed at first. He has continued to hammer the point home. His head coach is now getting questions about it. W- where are we right now with the Aaron Rodgers experience? Oh, nowhere. I mean, we do, we are not going to know until we know. I think they have a game. Uh, it's the week of Christmas, mm-hmm. which it seems like that is against the, the commanders. Yeah, right. that's the likely target for when he would come back if he's able to come back. But a what Christmas Aaron Rodgers miracle. is not doing yet is is running and pushing off his tendon. And until he does that, we just don't really know how this is going. I mean, it seems like he is progressing very, you know, on a, on a rapid timeline, but it's all speculative. It's all speculative until he actually can, can do some athletic actions and do something that simulates playing in a football game. And we're just not there yet. Um, I do also worry about the Jets being competitive enough down the stretch to keep themselves in a position where that would even really matter. Because Rodgers has said that there would have to be something to play for, for him to come back. And I do worry about them falling off a cliff here a little bit, but, you know, we shall see. Only time will tell. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the uh, the thing that he has going for him, right? I mean, they had a players-only meeting after they lose to the Raiders. Uh, Salah's asked about, you know, the situation with Zach Wilson. He says Zach is the quarterback. You know, that it just kind of is what it is at this point, but he says it very begrudgingly. He doesn't seem so ecstatic about it. But like you said, Aaron Rodgers has this perfect kind of um, out, I guess is the best way to put it, because if they are not in playoff contention, then he can say, I'm, I am healthy, I am ready to go. But it's not worth the risk because we're out of playoff contention. And then we all are like, is he really ready to go? Did he really have this modern, you know, medical miracle? Um, are we going to have to, you know, put out Instagram videos of him like, Did you know, rolling out of the pocket work? and making throws? Yeah, right. Like, is this is this where it's going to get to or like even if he doesn't come back and, and it is Christmas Day, but he says he's healthy where he's like Ben Simmons, he pulls a Ben Simmons. He's just putting out Instagram videos and we have to take that as like, oh, he's OK. He, he's all good. Like how far are we going to get down the rabbit hole with Aaron Rodgers is the question, I guess, Nora. I mean, is there some is the question you're asking? Is there some possibility that the Jets are getting like massively scammed here? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but it's it's right. also totally possible that Rodgers is going to complete a miraculous recovery, be ready to go back in, and it just won't matter. And Mm. even that, I do think, has to do with him on some level. Because when I look at the Jets and go, okay, why is there not another quarterback starting these games right now? The only compelling reason I can come up with is they didn't want to upset him. They didn't want to upset Aaron Rodgers. And even I wonder if, like, you know, they could have brought in Carson Wentz. And I think that it would have been an upgrade over 
what they're getting out of Zach Wilson. And believe me, I don't think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. You mentioned quarterbacks that are, you know, a phone call away. Matt Ryan is a name that we've heard. Uh, Carson Wentz is a name that we've heard. Let's talk about the Browns. They lose to Sean Watson. He's out for the rest of the year. That news comes out. And now people are asking a simple question. Can P.J. Walker or DTR, can they lead, you know, this Browns defense, which is elite, to make a real run in the playoffs? Or should they be making that phone call for one of those guys that, you know, who knows? Maybe even Joe Flacco's around. I don't know. But uh, can someone come step in in Cleveland and actually help them win football games? Yeah, you know, I think I think they've still got a shot with the guys who are in their building. Um, now, that combination of DTR, P.J. Walker, it had not been as, as good. The results had not been as good as with Deshaun Watson starting this year. And that is even though Deshaun Watson had not been very good starting. But... Not by that much. And they had been getting by mostly on their run game, mostly on their defense. And I believe following the news of Watson being out for the year, in a lot of the sites that track the, you know, playoff probability, blah, 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 blah. I think on ESPN's version of that, their playoff odds went from something like 80% to 63 or 65 15 points isn't nothing, certainly. That's a big swing. But they're also still favored to make the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. That's such a complete They're minus team. 340 to make the playoffs right now. I mean, basically, Vegas is saying they're almost a sure thing to make the playoffs. Right. Uh, so th- it's such a complete team. They've been getting by thus far. I think they can keep it going. The thing that I think they've got to be kicking themselves for is you'd love to have Josh Dobbs in, in that in that organization right now. Right. And, and so yeah. there are some trades and I'm not going to bring up Baker Mayfield here. Steven did that to me on the pod. And I was like, this is, we can't even have this conversation because you could not have Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield in a quarterback room together. It would just be absurd. But at the same time, you know, Dobbs is a guy who we're seeing play some pretty good football right now. And they let him walk out the door for what, a, a fifth or something like that. So I I think there's probably some regret over certain quarterback related moves, but I don't know that they, I don't know that they're one that needs to go do that right now. I I think they should at least give it a try with, with the guys who they have. Yeah. Give it a try with PJ Walker. He's been able to win some games and Deshaun Watson. I mean, as much as he has not played good football, they did end up winning a lot of the games that he played in, which is a very, you know, kind of strange juxtaposition between those two realities, but it is true. So he did affect the bottom line, I guess, at some level, but maybe PJ Walker can do the same thing. Maybe DTR, um, Baker Mayfield in the off season, who knows, maybe he goes back to Cleveland. That could be a nice little reunion, like you you said, Uh, but I don't want to break your brain. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have Nora debunk a big, uh, NFL story for us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Nora. And Nora, I love just lobbying, uh, you know, NFL news and uh, random stories that are going on. You, you've attacked multiple things on this show. You've debunked a lot. You know a lot of things. I've been uh, wrong about, tweet. like, all of them. 
Well, no, you've been right at some level um, because you're not afraid to say what is reality at that moment in time. Things may change in the future, but in this present moment, you are always right. Um, I have a tweet for you. Shout out to our producer, Tucker, for pulling this up. This is what, uh, uh, quote tweeting a video of Taylor Swift. She runs off stage. She goes and hugs Travis Kelsey. We've all seen this video. Oh, I'm familiar. we're, we're all familiar, but this is the tweet. If Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey have a baby, it will usher in a new American baby boom as millions of 25 to 35-year-old women follow suit. Not far behind will be manufacturing, a housing boom, a tremendous lifestyle shift for millions of newly minted families, a.k.a. a new golden era for America. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Incredible Do, do we debunk tweet. this or do you think this is real? Do you think this is actually like, is this the start of something good? Is this the new boom? incredible tweet i mean you know the you know the meme like next thing i knew i was pregnant i i have to be honest that's how i felt watching <laughs> watching taylor swift and travis kelsey like make out behind right. the heiress tour stage in argentina this weekend so i guess like i guess it's possible yeah it's uh we obviously monday night football will be the showcase for all of this what are your thoughts on your new relationship your new girlfriend your new boyfriend whatever it is they ask you to fly 14 hours to another country to come to their concert um, on a whim, on a bye week. Do you think like Travis was excited about the premise of flying all the way to Argentina for this moment in time? Um, or do you think he was like, wow, that's a lot of logistics for me? But also, like, where, where does he stand when he gets that ask? And do you think he really is just head over heels and he's like, whatever you need me to do, Taylor, I'll be there? I mean, Tate, this is a pretty hot ticket we're talking about. I think he was That is pumped. true. It's also okay. not like, it's, I like it. she's she's not exactly making it hard for him. He gets ushered off the <laughs> private plane. I don't. That exactly... is true. He is flying private. In my mind, I'm thinking he's going to the airport. Yeah, like no. you know, air travel right now is not always a guarantee. You're like waiting on delays. He's on a private plane. Yeah, you're right. Travis. Travis <laughs> has done very well for himself. Um, yet somehow. I imagine that he has experienced some lifestyle upgrades when Mm -hmm. he travels in conjunction with seeing Taylor. He seemed to have her whole setup where comes off the plane, the car is there, someone is there with an umbrella if he wants to hide. He didn't seem to, he just let everybody take pictures of him. When Taylor gets out of the plane, she goes inside of an umbrella and then they like close it so that the paparazzi can't take photos of her and then someone leads her down the, the staircase. Um, right through customs, right through security, very easy. He is in and out of that airport in like 10 minutes, I think. So Travis is doing just fine. I'm not really worried about Travis, like feeling jet lagged. (laughs) I think he's all right too. I just, you know, maybe I was just feeling for him. I had my own, that was my own projection about travel at this point. And then I realized, like like you said, it's it's exhausting for us (laughs) mere mortals who have to like, right. You know, we walk into the airport and we go to someone and we're like, do you have to, where's the TSA pre-check line? Right. And then they're like, right. Eh. Are you serious? All... It's 52 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Right. And now I'm paying an extra hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Travis isn't That's doing not, that. Travis uh, Kelsey it, is not going through any of this. These are the perks of being the best tight end in the NFL and dating the biggest pop star in the world. So uh, there you go. Um, Nora, thank you so much. As always, we love having you on the show. Appreciate you joining us. Um, we'll see you next week, right? That's correct. Absolutely, Tate. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Perfect. Appreciate you. Appreciate everyone watching. This has been Through the Ringer. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll see you then. 